Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all persons. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day and always, always. Amen. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Words matter. Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words matter. James 3, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. Words matter. Matthew 12, I tell you, on the day of judgment, you will have to give an account for every careless word you utter. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Words matter. Ephesians 4, let your speech always be gracious, and seasoned with salt. Words matter. Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Words matter. Scripture tells us over and over again just how much words matter, and we know this. We know that words have power. How we talk to ourselves totally impacts how we live our lives. There is a huge difference between the person who walks through the world listening to an internal voice saying, I'm worthy, and the person who walks through the world hearing a voice saying, I'm unworthy. Or the person who hears a voice saying, I'm loved, versus the person who hears a voice saying, I'm unlovable. Words have power in our relationships with each other. The words we say and the words we leave unsaid. Words can inspire, encourage, bond, harm, isolate. And words have power in our relationship with the word, God. Now we know that words are not created equal. They don't all weigh the same amount. We saw an illustration of this at the confession. When strung together, some words flit and float while others crash and crumble. Take a simple sentence, two words. I'm happy. It floats through the air like a feather. But how about the sentence, I'm sick? Well, 
If you've ever uttered that phrase to someone you love or had someone you love utter those words to you, then you know how quickly those words can come crashing down like a boulder, just unraveling hopes that you've nurtured and held dear for years. Words matter. They're weighty. They shape our relationships and our realities. If you were here with us last week, then you got a star word, a word that is meant to guide you in the year ahead. Now, I got a word that I wouldn't have chosen for myself, but it has taken power on in my, la- in my life just in the last week because not a day has gone by where I haven't thought about this word and gone through my days just wondering how it's going to show up or make me think differently about something. Words have the power to do that. And the start of a new year is a great time to take stock of our relationships and the words that we're using or not using in those relationships. And so this month, we are going to explore some of the weightiest three-word phrases, words that when strung together become boulders. I think oftentimes these are the phrases that we're slow to say or avoid saying at all in relationships. I love you. I need help. I was wrong. I am enough. Each phrase will be accompanied by a character from the Old Testament who has something to teach us about these phrases. And so you've heard already, we'll start with I love you, which is a version of the words that were spoken to Jesus right after his baptism, which is something we always remember at the start of a new year. The gospel writer Matthew tells us that as Jesus was coming up out of the water and the river, the heavens just broke open and God's spirit descended and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved with whom I'm well pleased. Now sometimes love is that obvious, but in my experience, it's often much more subtle than the heavens tearing open and a voice booming down. And so we're going to look at a subtle story of love today that comes from the book of Ruth. And as we read, I want you to listen closely and pay attention to how many times you hear the word love in this scripture. And pay attention to how many times you hear God in this scripture as well. But before we read, let's pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the first chapter of Ruth, verses 1 through 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab. He and his wife and two sons... The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of their two sons were Malan and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. Now these sons took Moabite wives. The name of one wife was Orpah, and the name of the other wife, Ruth. When they had lived there about 10 years, both Malan and Chilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. 
Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown if I were to marry and have sons tonight? Would you then refrain all these years from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth, Ruth clung to her. So she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you, to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do thus to me, and more as well, even if death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How many times did you hear the word love? Zero. And where was God in that? So you may be wondering why this scripture to talk about love. But these words often bubble up in moments of love. You may have heard these words at a wedding you've attended. This scriptural promise from Ruth is among the top hits for wedding ceremonies. Now, anytime a couple comes to me and they have picked out this scripture to be read at their wedding, I do feel like it is my pastoral responsibility to make sure they know that this is a promise spoken by Ruth to her mother-in-law. Sometimes that changes things. I did have one couple change their minds about including this after they learned that fact. They were so excited to make promises to each other, but they just couldn't quite imagine making the same vows to their in-laws. They thought this was just a biblical wedding vow plucked out of context, and it does read that way, doesn't it? But in all honesty, the fact that these are not words spoken between a starry-eyed young couple standing at the front of a sanctuary is what makes them the perfect words for a wedding. Because anyone who has ever loved another person can tell you that love is complicated. When was the last time you said, I love you? Maybe it was this morning 
to your spouse or your children or your parents. Maybe it was an abbreviated text you sent sometime earlier this week, I-L-Y. Or maybe it's been a while. Maybe it's easier to think about a time recently when you chose not to say the words, I love you, because the relationship just isn't really that kind of relationship. You know, kids should just know that their parents love them without them saying it all the time. Or maybe over the holidays you were remembering the person that you desperately want to say I love you to, the person who never failed to make you believe you were loved, and they are no longer with us. Love is complicated, and this is a complicated story. Naomi and her husband have two sons, and they had been living in Bethlehem, but ironically, there was no bread in Bethlehem, which the name Bethlehem means, the house of bread. And so Naomi and her husband Elimelech were determined to feed their children as any parent would be, and so they fled the famished land and traveled to a place called Moab in hopes of finding a better life. And this tells you something about who they are as parents because Israelites and Moabites don't get along. They went to enemy territory because they wanted to find food for their children. Love is complicated, isn't it? Not long after they go across these enemy lines, this place called Moab, Elimelech dies. And so Naomi, who is not only a foreigner behind enemy lines, she's also now a widow. This is a death sentence. But she is determined to feed her children. And so she stays there, having no idea what will happen. And luckily, both sons meet local women, and they get married. One son marries a woman named Orpah, and another marries a woman named Ruth. Now, they have a good decade together, but after 10 years of marriage, just out of the blue, both of Naomi's sons died. So now, she is a foreigner behind enemy lines, a widow, and the mother-in-law to two more widows. And she's grieving. In fact, in the book of Ruth, her name, Naomi, means pleasant. But later on in this book, she asks for her name to be changed to Mara. That means bitter. And I respect that because I'd be bitter too if I lost my husband and my children. So Naomi decides that she's going to return to her homeland, Judah. I'm sure that she, she thought that being among her people would make the grief lighter, And so her daughters-in-law, they set out with her. But Naomi says very wisely, stay in Moab. You know my people don't get along with Moabites, and it'll be easier for you to get on with your life in a land you already know. Go back to your mother. Don't make your life worse just by following me. There is nothing I can do for you. Even if I have another son, you're not going to wait all these years to marry Orpah comes around to Naomi's advice, and so she gives a teary goodbye and kiss, and she stays. But Ruth doesn't do the same. Instead, Ruth clung to Naomi. That's what the scripture tells us. And in Hebrew, it's the word to cleave. It only appears twice in the Old Testament, which means we should pay attention 
That word means to get close, to lean in, get proximate with love. Ruth leaned in. She got close to her mother-in-law and to her mother-in-law's pain. We know this because we know her vows. She didn't say, where you go, I will go. When things are brighter, where you lodge, I will lodge. If I like the accommodations, your people will be my people if they're my kind of people. No, that's not what she said. She just pledged to be in the midst of the mess with Naomi. No matter what happens, no matter how long you're in this pit of despair, I can promise you won't be alone, she says. That's what love does. Love isn't some kind of magic potion that we put on the shelf in case of emergency, though sometimes we let ourselves believe that. Love is not, as the poet says of hope, the thing with feathers that perches daintily in the soul. Love is the thing with armor. Love is the thing with reinforced steel, the thing that is invincible to life's unanticipated shocks, like losing a husband and two children within 10 years. Love is the thing that reinforces our spine so that we can lean in and get close to the pain. Father Michael Reniger, pastor of St. Mary's Catholic Church in Richmond, Virginia, knows just what this means. When he was a college student on his way home one weekend, he stopped to visit his grandparents. They lived in the same row house in Philadelphia that he'd grown up visiting. His grandfather had had a series of strokes that left him paralyzed on one side and unable to talk or swallow. But his grandmother was determined to care for her husband at home, even though he required a feeding tube and intricate care. On that particular day, Reniger recalled, he opened the squeaky front door and immediately knew things weren't right. The goopy, liquid food was splattered all over his grandfather, whose face was red. His grandmother was struggling to care for him when she realized that Michael had entered the house. Michael, just a young college student, turned quietly and started to leave, assuming it would be best for everyone if he just walked away from this embarrassing situation without a word. Then his grandmother piped up with a stern tone. Don't you dare. Don't you dare leave. Sometimes this is what love looks like. It's as if she was saying, if you love us, cleave to us. Stand up and lean in. Love isn't escaping these things. It's enduring them. That's what love is. Love is our endurance. It's the thing that draws siblings closer after the death of a parent. It's the thing that draws couples closer after the diagnosis comes so that they can face the future. It's the thing that gets a parent out of bed in the night to sneak into the child's room and touch his forehead to see if the fever's broken. It's the thing that keeps you from resenting the way you've rearranged your world to care for your aging parent. It's that thing that sends you to the suburbs every weekend for yet another sports tournament for your child. 
It's the thing that remains when memory fails and the person you love no longer recognizes you and can't call you by name. It's the thing that makes people move across the country and across the world. It's the thing that endures even when our relationships sour and it's hard to see a path forward. It's the thing that makes a daughter-in-law utter the most unimaginably remarkable promise to her mother-in-law when their worlds are in shards lying on the floor. Love is not the thing that lets us escape life's hardship. It's the thing that reinforces our spine so that we can stand up straight and face them, saying, I will not dare leave. I know. I know that this is what love looks like. And that is exactly what God said to each of us in Jesus Christ. God has made the same promise to you that Ruth made to Naomi. Where you go, I will go, God says to each of us. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. I am with you. God has promised to cleave to you because that is what love looks like. I wonder who in your life needs to know this. Who needs to know that you love them and that you are making the choice to cleave to them? Who will you say I love you to this week? Who will you show that love to? I wonder where God is calling you to stand up and lean in, to endure, and to just say the words, I love you. Amen. Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all persons, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day, and always, always. Amen.